Well, hi, welcome back to season two of the Viewfinders Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Dargie, and uh, my guest today is Magnus Lindbom, a landscape adventure photographer from Sweden. I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Magnus is a great guy with a very unique way of going about his photography. Um, so we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, let's check in. How was your Christmas and New Year? Ours was great. Uh, we have a four-year-old daughter, and so it just makes Christmas so, so special. Um, and she was just so excited on Christmas morning uh, and all day on Christmas, and she's been in great form. So that made it uh, really special. New Year, uh, well, Hogmanay, as we call it here in Scotland, is kind of a big deal here, but all pretty quiet this year for obvious reasons. And uh, everybody just looking forward to getting into 2021. Uh, for me, I've got some new things happening this year. Uh, earlier this week, I had my first photography foundations class on Zoom, uh, which is a new format of a beginner's class for me. Um, that was great, and I've got a couple more dates coming up for that soon. You can find out about that on my website if you're interested. The other new thing I've got coming up is a, a new event called Viewfinders Live, sponsored by mpb.com. Uh, and this is going to be like an evening with style of event. It's going to take place online on the 15th of February. Uh, and my guest on the first Viewfinders Live is going to be Mark McCall. Uh, Mark was the guest on the second episode of season one. Brilliant landscape photographer from Scotland. And Mark's going to be giving a talk about his photography. There'll be a live Q&A where you can ask Mark anything. And you'll have the chance to win a £50 mpb.com voucher in the exclusive prize draw. mpb.com is a place where you can buy and sell used photography gear. MPB trades thousands of cameras and lenses every week and each item comes with a six month warranty. I've personally used MPB a number of times. Um, I've always bought nice clean items and received great service. So I can fully recommend their service and thank them so much for sponsoring this event and providing £50 voucher for me to give away on the night. Tickets are available now on Eventbrite for the strange price of £11.37. That is £10 for the ticket and £1.37 for the Eventbrite booking fee uh, and the links in the show notes. So it's going to be a great night for anybody with an interest in landscape photography. So I hope you can check that out and join us on the 15th of February. Um, what about you? How is your 2021 shaping up? Uh, much photography plans? Have you been able to get out much and do much photography with the current restrictions at the moment? Um, I'd love to connect with you. You can find me on social media and at the new web address view-finders.co.uk. Um, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review. It really makes my day when I see a new five-star rating or a review coming in. So I hope you can take a minute to do that if you love the show. Okay, my guest today is Magnus Lindbom, a landscape photographer from Sweden. When I say landscape photographer, it doesn't really do justice to what he does because Magnus goes into the wilderness of northern Sweden for weeks at a time in search of fleeting moments where the location and the light line up to help make his incredible photographs. He also documents his adventures in his beautiful films, which give you an insight into the amazing commitment he has to his craft, sometimes waiting in his tent for days at a time for just the right conditions to occur. The way Magnus goes about his work is pretty unique and you'll hear how thoughtful and dedicated he is to his photography. Our conversation covers the time when Magnus knew that he'd found his calling in life, why he loves shooting with a telephoto lens, why he always packs a boat in his camera bag and much, much more. 
Uh, you might hear the sounds of family life in the background of my side of the recording during the episode. Uh, I'm sure you'll understand these are recorded in my office at home. I hope it's not too distracting for you. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Magnus Lindbaum. Hi, Magnus. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine, Graham. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, can you, for the listeners who might not know your work, can you introduce yourself and just tell us about the kind of photography that you do? Yeah, so I'm Magnus. Uh, I'm from Sweden. Uh, I live in Östersund in Sweden. And uh, hmm, uh, a title for myself, uh, I'm probably a landscape photographer, but uh, I would say maybe a better way to describe my work is probably mountain and wilderness photography. That's really where where my passion is, really. We met uh, at, at Talisker Bay and Sky in 2018. If, I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, yeah we did. Uh, I was, <laughs> I had uh, two Swedish ladies in my group, and I think they must have got talking to you. And um, um, so when I checked out, first of all, uh, I, I heard oh, the, his name is Magnus, and I thought, well, that is a really cool <laughs> name. Uh, compared to Graham anyway um, <laughs> I so I already that, I already thought you were cool and um, so when I checked out your photography after that trip I was like okay this guy's really really good and um, when I started the podcast I had to come up with some names of people I wanted to reach out to and you was, yeah. was one of the first names for sure and um, so and then at that time when I tracked you down this year you just released your film um, Alone in the Wilderness yeah, uh, and that is—it's just such an impressive piece of work, um, and the dedication and commitment that you show to do that. Yeah, thank um, you. And your new film, which has just come out when we're recording this in December, twenty twenty, is it? Do you say Rapa? Rapa, yeah. It's just—it's yes. terrific. It's really good, and um, so it's a great insight into the sort of commitment and dedication you have for your photography. Mm. And um, so we'll get into that later. But I always curious about people's backgrounds and upbringing. So I read on your website that you grew up in Stockholm. Yes. Um, how was your, um, how was childhood? Was it good fun? How, how was, how was yeah, it growing up in Stockholm? I think I was spoiled with, with a good childhood, uh, looking bad at, back at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was growing up uh, just south of Stockholm. Uh, we did have a, um, uh, my parents had a, a have 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 a house um a bit further south and they have a sailing boat mm. so we were out a lot in the archipelago of Sankt Anna which is a bit south in of Stockholm then uh, mm -hmm. just just east of Norrköping um so we we spent a lot of summers out on that sailing boat that's really you know i have memories of that and playing soccer <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so was that outdoors kind of lifestyle was that part of a big part of your childhood would you say I would say, in, like in most Swedes, it's it's an like not a you know um, a big part, but it's just it's just normal that we we go out in nature and you know with the with the sailing boat, you know you're obviously out in in the archipelago and you know life is pretty simple. Uh, so yeah. So like, do you stay on the boat for the for the holiday, or is it coming in and, in and out of the harbor? Yeah, I think I think we go out and we went out and we went out into mostly natural harbors like um, um, just uh, anchoring up in a bay, uh, uh, you know, probably sometimes having the whole island for for ourselves. 
Mm. Um, so it's it's quite um, because in Sweden we have this archipelago that is a bit you know I think you have a, some some of it in Scotland but we have like more like islands so it's made mm-hmm. it lends itself very well to to that kind of activity so there's a, there's a, a very you know big community and culture around sailing and and also motorboating as well but uh, mm. yeah I, re- I really enjoy the sailing because you know when you put up the sails and you know you just you know you go with the wind and everything becomes quiet and you just hear the boat going through the water it's it's a bit like actually lying in a tent uh, in the mountains mm. it's the same it's the same sound it really comes back to me from from mm. the childhood yeah that's really interesting so let's go to the mountains then i read on your website that there was one particular trip to the mountains where you realized you were hooked on that being in that wilderness and that you also had your first camera with you at the time yeah. And that seemed to be a big moment in your life, kind of a pivotal moment. Can you talk about what happened there and what you took away from that particular trip? Yeah, so like if we take it back a little bit. So prior to that, I was doing um, military service as an Arctic Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really like the that really built sort of a foundation for this uh, adventure lust. If um, So I was like when, when we finished, uh, when I finished uh, the... Um, the military training, the military service. Uh, I was just, you know, longing for that adventure. So then I planned this hike. Uh, it was uh, in the high mountains of around Kebnekaise in Sweden. And, you know, when I got got up into that terrain, like the high alpine terrain, um, you know, when you, when you go up, you go through the birch forest, you go, um, you know, you see the vegetation gets, you know... <laughs> less and less meditation on your mm-hmm. way up and then you just end up in this uh, valley uh, it's a valley called Unareidavagi uh, that I have specific memories from it's just a, it's just a valley uh, of glaciers uh, rocks and snow and and a bit of some uh, and a couple of lakes it's a very um it it wasn't an environment that I I had seen before so it like it's like you strip away all almost all sense of life you know it becomes so like clear up there it's it was kind of a moment like when i i remember still remember it when i when i hiked up there but then um with the camera um i guess for me it was like just uh, i was just feeling that this is something it might sound, sound strange but i was just feeling that this is something that i'm probably going to do <laughs> mm. you know i did i didn't know really how how or probably why i just felt like that feeling of like i this is something that i'm so interested in or it just you know it's it's really yeah it's it's really hard to explain really what what it was but i think it's i've always been like a creative person i always liked mm-hmm. that part and then you you mix that with the the part of the adventure you know you go you venture out into the wilderness and you know you don't really know what what you will see and then to have your camera with you to document that i think that's just a and then to try to capture the place in a in a in a, in a way like that's what all of us landscape photographers are doing right trying to do that um so that that really was the start of the journey and so um that was when you realized that when you said this was what you were going to do did you mean that in terms of the photography yes and probably the adventure i think they they the both came, yeah the combination mm-hmm. they came they came like together mm-hmm. in a complete package <laughs> that's and, really cool and that was very clear for you at the time 
Yeah, and when I look back at it now, it's just like I'm doing this absolutely the same thing now. Like mm. with my trips and adventures, it's just that you know, for each for each year you learn. Of course, you learn a bit more. You develop. Hopefully, you get a bit better. Mm. Uh, but it's the same, like yeah, like the the hunt or the the you know for, for that image, like the search of of that photograph. Mm. Um, yeah. So I I also read on your website that um, you'd realized you had to you felt that you had to learn the craft of photography, but also to learn about the landscape itself. Yes. Um, that I thought that that really made sense to me. But can you expand on what that means to you? Mm. I think I think the craft uh, and the light uh, like is important. But then there is I think there is two answers to that question. One is that you know, you obviously want to to know what you're doing when you're out. You want to, you know, in Sweden we have very, you know, we have the seasons. So every season brings, uh, you know, another dimension to to the outdoors life. You have to really um, know what you're doing in terms of um, when you're hiking or skiing or snowshoeing, you know, that part, you know, and then you have to know about the landscape, uh, what challenges and sort of things like that. Uh, but then again, but then there is the thing, you know, how you see the landscape, of course, like, what is it in this landscape that means something to me? And I don't know, I think that's really changes over the years, you know, as you go along, you know, you see different things and you something when I first started doing my trips, I was hiking through the forest as fast as I could. I thought I was, I wanted up into the mountains, but nowadays I appreciate the forest as well. I, you know, it's just trying to always like try to see things and look at things in a different way i sort of lost the the the, the question there but yeah uh, no it's good yeah. it's good it's just about understanding yeah your understanding and relationship with the landscape itself yeah and, and um, i think also spending a lot of time out is is key so when i'm doing my trips it can be a week up to two weeks maybe even longer um, and that also makes you s- like slow down if you're if you're camping in a place for you alone in for a week, then obviously you see the place in a different way than when you just hike through it on a day hike, you know, mm. or during a day. So I think, and also I think you know, spending time alone out in nature, it's it's it it makes you see it in a little bit different way. Because mm. when I'm with somebody, there's always someone to share it with. There's always someone to talk with. Mm-hmm. But when you are alone, alone, it's really about that connection. Like you're really there with the landscape. And sometimes there isn't a bird or an animal coming, a reindeer or something. But there, there is like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, you become sort of like one with the environment there, I guess. But. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think, you know, because you go on these long hikes or adventures, and you are completely immersed in the landscape. For me, like most of the time when I go out for landscapes, I'm out for a couple of hours or the morning. Yeah. And I have that a couple of hours. I'm in a rush. I'm trying to shoot a video probably at the same time. Yeah. And then I have to get home, probably pick up milk on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like there's there's pressure on it. For me, there's pressure on it. I guess, I mean, it's still relax. I find landscape photography is relaxing for me because it's work for us you have to turn it into something yes a video or a photo or a blog or something it's going to be something there has to be some kind of outcome from it really mm. so there is that pressure on it but I, I felt like 
the way that you can completely immerse yourself in that um it must add a, a depth of understanding or a, just a different um i don't know relationship or understanding with the subject matter really um do you ever shoot in that very fast way or do you always do that kind of long period of time so obviously i'm not only i have photographed other 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 things during my mm-hmm. my, my career so I have been doing like workshops and <laughs> and stuff, and then then it's more like you describe it. You have to be quite quick, and I probably only get five minutes with my camera in <laughs> mm-hmm. before I have to you know uh, uh, help the other uh, the participants around. So mm-hmm. that's so how do you something... find that? Sorry to butt in. Sorry, how do you find that when you've got five minutes? Can you do it in five minutes or? And the thing is, I actually I've in the mountains. Sometimes you have only two minutes or one minutes, you know, mm-hmm. because you have that light, that special light. So you, it sort of becomes this, you have to really um, <laughs> gear up, you know, and mm-hmm. I can, I can take, I take that into the workshops as well. So I'm pretty, you know, f- I can, I can see something and then, you know, shoot it. But there's a lot of stuff around doing a workshop that makes you, you know, y- you can't be as immersed in, in, it's not my, um, it's not me, for me to be immersed. It's for the the people that that's yeah. coming along, uh, as you know, and um, yeah. So, but but uh, of course, I, uh, yeah, I, I can go, I can shoot quite fast, but um, I'd rather not to. I'd rather take some time and really, you know, um, yeah, uh, take take the take in the landscape. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was uh, one of my next questions was going to be about. Um, a lot of the photographs on your website, I noticed. I'll just name a few. Um, there's mm. the, they're titled on the website. There's um, uh, endless winter yeah. glow, lights and peaks, twilight, um, yeah. <laughs> several more. Um, autumn delta, river of light. You're capturing conditions that can only last very a few moments. Sometimes on yes. those particular shots, yeah. whether it's twilight or a passing. There's a rain and the, the way the light just it lights it up from behind. So we've got that immersion that we've been talking about and then that need to work very quickly and to capture those fleeting moments. Mm. So is there an adrenaline rush? Do you know what yes. I mean? When that yes, when the conditions yeah. switch on like that, yeah. how does it feel to be in that moment? Mm. Yeah, it's sometimes it can be quite surreal, you know, if you if you sometimes when the light happens, sometimes if you if you go up very early and climbing a peak in the dark, and then, you know, the the glow starts to to happen. Um, um, sort of like when I stand in a sort of that situation, you know, you're completely alone there. You know, this is this is the moment. You know, you probably felt it yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> at times. And I become, you know, I can get the super <laughs> adrenaline kick, but then I have to just think, you know, be calm because you didn't, you never, you're never a good photographer when you're in that, you know, rush. You know, you have to be calmed down a little bit and try to be a little bit objective about your composition and, you know, the, if the light changes to follow it along and, you know, to 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 think about the image as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So in those moments, are you are you? carefully thinking things i would probably i mean i'm thinking about it but i probably go into some kind of automatic yes. mode at that time where yeah. are you at on it, that kind yeah. of spectrum yeah that's true 
I I become like this. It it's it's becomes automatic for me as well. But sometimes I try to like take a step back, you know, from the mm-hmm. camera. And maybe just ask myself, am I am I doing the right thing with this? You know, or is there any other possibilities that I'm missing? Because sometimes you can be so focused on one thing that you're missing what's happening behind you, for example, or just mm-hmm. you know, um, if you're shooting with a with a tele lens, you know, it can be different. Uh, fra- like composition just happening uh, mm. in a different place so I try to just you know look around uh, like every five minutes or so so that I'm not you know becoming too focused because that's really one thing that I've learned is sometimes you you can focus too much on one thing mm. and then you just take one image of something that you don't really think is something and when you then when you get home that is actually the image that was the best one mm. because yeah things just th- looks different in real life and on a screen right mm. and uh, so when you're when you're in that moment and especially when you've got your eye in the camera you can it's so easy to just be fixated on what you're doing but mm. i think it's such good advice to take that step back yeah i think um, so and actually you know if you look you can take that further if you look into the viewfinder um then you become very immersed into the scene right you become very immersed in the in 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 the image and you see uh, usually you see a lot in the center of the image but if you take a step back and look on the on the screen of the camera you see the whole picture in a, in a little bit mm. more like holistic way uh, I, th- I think that that is a good good tip also for people to 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 do once in a while you know because the viewfinder is great but you come so close to the image that it's easy to focus on a detail in, a, in an image like rather mm. than the whole the whole image yeah yeah it's amazing how I, you can shoot through the viewfinder I do and mm. then you look at this, the picture on the screen and yes. you're okay why didn't I see that thing exactly on the, yeah on you the see edge. the core you see the framing more I think that's the thing mm. you see the fr- the corners more the edges mm. of the frame yeah so when you go to some of these places I mean you're in there there are huge landscapes huge areas that you you can decide where to go how much can you have something in mind before the trip that you want to photograph or versus how much do you have to just see what happens in the moment? Mm, so I, I always try to have a plan. <laughs> so um, that's the key to try to have a plan. But then you can't really, you know, the thing is, the it's I have learned like the good photographs are usually the good the good moments of light, and they can, they can come in the most. <laughs> in in the places where you don't really think there would be a photograph and then also if there are places that i've been before then i know a little bit more what to expect and you can sometimes if you go to places where you haven't been you can google them but then again some place most places that i go i try to go on like you know to places that haven't been photographed that much and then it's really hard to look at the map and try to mm-hmm. translate that into into what, what what will the photograph look like? And especially, you know, the light. You can always, you know, try to guess. You know, how will the will the sun play into the valley here? Will the you know on the peak there? But then again, you know, that doesn't work in reality. You just mm. have to take the opportunities that that you get. And I try to to be opportunistic or or try to take those opportunities. If if I get those on on the hike in, I I do it there and. I try to do some photography there and and maybe stay a, a a bit longer in one place on my hike in rather than you know uh, just spending time on on in the area that I maybe had in mind when I when I set out. Um, mm. 
Yeah, that, that's really interesting. When I when I was in Sky on that weekend that I met you, yeah, um, my my we parked at Fairy Pools and we were going to walk down there. It's forty five minutes to walk down to the location, mm. and me, I, I well, my adrenaline was going because I was leading the tour, you know. But I just wanted to get there, you know. You just want to help people get the pictures that they came mm. for. So I'm marching down there, and um, my one of my Swedish guests. Um, saying graham you know it's not the the best part of the journey is the going you know not yeah. the destination uh something like that and um and they were seeing they had their cameras out just on the path down you know if yeah. you know down from the car park down into the glen mm. and they had their long lenses out shooting down the glen things i w- wouldn't have ever seen you know mm. because but they were yes. experiencing the journey as rather than just trying to get to the location i think there's i learned a lot from that Maybe that's a Swedish thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think we have a saying for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. The resan som är målet in Swedish. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's the journey that is the the goal. Maybe okay. that translates into English as well. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so when you get to that location, how do you uh, how do you start to put a, a photograph together? Do you have like a a, a go to sort of guidelines for yourself that you're looking for particular way of laying things out or what's your kind of first step when you get the get to a location yeah some yeah so some locations might be very like you know this is the composition right but i find that more the more so yeah there's 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 that there's those locations where you just you know you can you can you can try to scout out a location i just take my phone out because i have the phone with me and have a power bank so i have it uh uh powering it all the trip and i can just grab the phone out and and do like a sketch uh a snap a sketch image on the phone and try to see how how it looks um but i right like my 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 process is more like i i try to look at like how is the light uh what is the light at the moment and sometimes you have this you know you have this image in mind you know this is one of the images that i want to try but the light isn't right for that one you may be grabbing <laughs> one of one or two frames on just to have something but mm-hmm. it they like it it needs to be a specific light so i try to just see look around me and see you know what are the the possibilities in this kind of light so if it's a gray day i adjust to that if it's a um sunny day it's yeah it's it's quite hard maybe you should just have a cup mm. of coffee in the, mm. <laughs> and and mm. have a, have a easy time but um i try to just look at light and maybe also the mood like the light and mood and then just to see how maybe the clouds interacting with the mountains how maybe foggy like all these you know atmospheric like conditions that you can use i think that's really the key and if you have um, if you're standing on a mountain if you grab your wide angle then you get the whole the whole vista you know and mm-hmm. that can be pretty interesting but i find more and more that i use a telelens like um, 200 millimeter on mm-hmm. on, a, on a dslr like full frame dslr and um, uh, i find that th- that gives a lot of opportunities for just honing in on those like you know uh, uh, a cloud uh, passing just below a peak or something like that and those it becomes like these moments they don't last for a long time but unless you are actually having that lens on <laughs> mm. and looking through the viewfinder at it it's it's really hard to see it you know what i mean mm. 
so i find that that the like working with the telelens that that had that makes me think like more about because the conditions in a wide angle shot a wide angle image they need to be in a, in a very large you know uh, portion of the landscape right but if you're honing in it's sort of like you become a, a macro photographer mm. uh, but in the mountains you know you, you you shoot these details or maybe not details but you shoot these uh, what do you call it um, you're framing it tighter so it allows mm -hmm. you to be more selective on what you are on, 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 on what you are showing and so when you're out um, on an adventure like that for a couple of weeks Well, you you must have the opportunity to revisit certain scenes again and again, um, or maybe it depends if you stay in the same location or if you're moving around. But um, have you ever had an experience of of you've got you've realized there's a, a photograph to be done here, but not now, and you can come back a few times and until you kind yes. of get it? Have you got experiences like that? Yes, surely. And uh, those are usually when you have that specific like this view that I want to want to capture and and sometimes when I have been out in the winter for example then I've been you know um, staying in a base camp for seven days and maybe on day four it's the first time that you can actually go up into the higher mountains because of the weather right mm -hmm. so it's it sort of becomes uh, it's it can become a little bit of this waiting game that you're playing mm -hmm. yeah How are you with that? Do you get frustrated or you, you realize by now it's just part of the process? Yeah, I realize that, you know, you have, it's part of the process. You have, it's something that you have to put in. And that's the thing really that I have like learned because when you are out photographing and you can drive around with a car or you're in an area where you can actually walk around to maybe different play, different, um, like a waterfall, a woodland or something. Uh, then it's easier to adjust, right? You can always shoot something and you can drive to a different location depending on, on the weather. You can even chase, uh, you know, people are chasing all over mm. <laughs> different different things. Um, but when you're out in, in this way, you, you just have to s stay where you are mm. and try to be smart, you know, because if you are hiking, you know, uh, if you are hiking up the mountain, you're hiking up the mountain, you're not, you know, deciding... A minute later that you're gonna go down into the valley you know you have to be a bit strategic strategic about your decisions and you have to sort of like think a little bit beforehand on like okay the conditions are like this now wait a minute how will it look in half an hour how will it look in an hour like okay the weather is starting to clear here oftentimes when the weather is clearing you know it can go pretty fast you know so you have to really you know um be a bit um Yeah, think a little bit beforehand think about ahead. the about the think ahead exactly. Yeah, it sounds like you're just very alert at, at all times when you're out there. I mean, like some locations you can go to, like Sky is a good example. You can just show up at the locations and you can just do it because they're just there and they they fit the the camera, they fit the frame of the camera. Yeah, and if the light switches on, it's going to be fine. It sounds like it's a little bit more work than that on on the on the type of work that you're doing where you, you from what you've been describing you sound like mm. you're just mentally you're just working away all the time and just waiting looking anticipating trying to get to the right place at the right time do you do you still must shoot in the that chunk of early light or that late light so do you have all day to kind of think these things through 
Uh, it depends a little bit on the season, you know, how, how long the days are. You know, if you're in around midsummer, then you have, you, you have like, you're working in, during the night time. Hmm. And if you're, if you're in midwinter, then you have a very short window of light. You know, it's, days are very short. Hmm. So I think um, um, in, in summer, it's probably the most frustrating. If, it's, if it's the weather is clear, you know that, okay, the, the light will get good, but it's, it's a whole day. And if you're, if you're in the place uh, where you have a base camp, you know, days can, can be, become pretty long. Um, yeah, so you have, usually you have quite a lot of time to, especially if you're doing a longer trip and having this more of a base camp style, you have a, quite a lot of time to actually think it's through. It's not a problem mm. with the time there. <laughs> so when did you have the idea to start making films of your adventures? I know you've done a mm. few small video clips previously, yes. but when did the idea to do like a longer form film come about? Yeah, that's 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 a good question. Um, so as yeah, as you say, I've I've during the years I've filmed a little bit uh, just with a phone, um, and as as probably everyone else, when you're out on an adventure, you try to document it in some ways, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really cut it when when you want to make, tell a story about mm-hmm. a trip. It just becomes like sort of this some highlights of the trip, right? Um, so for me, it's actually been like I haven't really been exploring the editing process but then come uh, the pandemic <laughs> mm-hmm. and i got a good time to actually explore and learn um final cut which i'm using so that's be- become a like uh, eye opener for me you know okay so now i'm starting to feel like i can do it in the editing process and um you know, I've been trying to tell the story through my photography and through blog posts a little bit, but I always felt like it's just so hard to get people to, you know, know what it is about when you're out. It's sometimes it, I don't even remember myself, you know? So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's how can I convey that, like, those adventures to people, like, in words, especially people that maybe don't, haven't been in those places. So. Mm. I thought of thought it through like okay maybe I should try this thing and so I got a bit of gear for that as well with the microphone and stuff and decided that you know that that film that you refer was referring to the the alone film that was really the first my first take and I was just super nervous when I mm. when I put it out there because I honestly said to my partner Peter here that I don't know is this crap or is it you know I I didn't know what it was like but uh, yeah, people really picked up on it. They liked the yeah the honesty and just to be able to follow along. And then I tried to mix in some photography. So I'm not a I'm not an adventure filmer or anything. I my my goal is to go out there and and, and make photographs. But I I try to but I like. I use the filming to document like the process, but then mm. I don't want it to be only about like, you know, this is the process. This I, I want it to be inspiring. So I try to mix like the, the filming, the video parts with the photography in a way and with music as well and nature sounds. Uh, mm. It's just something, um, how should I describe it? It's just something that I had to, I, um, I didn't want to wanted to look at too much other things, you know. Mm-hmm. I just uh, had the material when I get back from that trip, and yet I just tried to do did do something with it. Mm. Um, that felt pers- that felt like you know this is what I want to show, 
and therefore it was quite a <laughs> uh, quite nervous when I when I put it out there because you never know, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it sounds like that you you just I know it's not your English isn't your language, obviously, but you're struggling yeah. to find the words to describe it. But it feels to me when you're doing that that you just knew what it was that it was going to be, and you could see it in your mind. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without necessarily being able to describe it or, yes. or storyboard it or something like that. Um, and the films, I have to say, they're so beautifully done. Oh, um, thank you. And you, I know you're in early days, only having done the two, you know, longer ones. Yeah. So I, I can see that they're going to get better as well, but. The, yeah. the pace of them is very relaxing. Mm. The music really adds a lot. Mm. You've, you've chosen that music very well. Mm. Um, Thanks. Obviously, the shots are well composed, but they really elevate your photographs um, because they give someone like me, and who hasn't been in those places, like you say, yeah. a real insight into how much it go, goes into getting those types of photographs. So I can see yeah. the photographs, but seeing, and, and they stand on their own, don't get me wrong, but seeing the story behind them, mm. that you have to wait a few days, I get frustrated and after waiting around a couple of hours in a location. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really elevates what you do. It's It really shows people the value of the way that you go about your work. So I congratulate I, you for that. I think they're thank great. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was going to ask if you can have a narrative in mind before you set out, but maybe not. Or do you think that you'll develop that as you going mm. forward? Yeah, that's something that I thought a little bit about. But I, I think that if I go out to make a film, then it's not about the photography. Not mm. Then it's not the, like the pr organic process of doing photography that I love. So I hope that I not get into that. <laughs> mm. Maybe I'll do and then you, somebody has to take me back. <laughs> okay. To this, to the, because I, I honestly think that it becomes the best if you do like what you love, like, you know, do the stuff that you should do. But then like, I don't want, I want the films to be beautiful and stuff, but I don't want, I don't want to put in too much effort on the filmmaking. And I think maybe, yeah, I think that's a balance, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because, all, but that's a good balance because when you're out on an adventure, usually you don't have that many batteries with you. You don't have that much energy to do all these takes, you know, because I'm a perfectionist with the photography, but like the filmmaking has really, you know, brought out a little bit of more, you know, I just have one take. If I paddle with a pack raft across the scene, you know, I will only do it maybe two times, but, you know, then I have to go. <laughs> it's not a yeah. studio. It's not. And I think it becomes genuine if you are doing it that way. I think you can sometimes people are trying to do things maybe a bit too perfect. And then you lose that spirit of like just the, what is this about? It's pretty simple. You know, I'm out there with the camera uh, doing these adventures. It doesn't have to be, you know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be some like something, mm. yeah, if you know what yeah, I mean. I uh, do, yeah. So the, the shots, just when you've said that, described that, I can realize the shots that you do for the videos are actually very simple shots. Yes, like they the are. camera will will be still most of the time, yes, but it yes, works it's beautifully because you'll be moving through the shots or the the weather. I think changing. maybe if there was like a big production, people like it doesn't because people are sensing that okay, he's out there with with it putting out the tripod and filming himself. That becomes therefore I'm probably a bit uh, like it's a bit easier for me because I don't have any pressure that it has to be you know perfect. You know, it's mm. good if it's if it's not perfect sometimes because it adds to that authenticity right 
mm-hmm. uh, that I probably like I don't like I want my stills to be perfect, but the videos can be a compliment to them and they don't need to be. Per- I think that's a good uh, like it's a nice blend of of the two. Maybe that's mm. what what makes it interesting as well. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can understand, I can relate to that a little bit because I do some location videos and uh, mm. as I said before, and um, they're nothing like they're, yours, they're fast and furious and selfie stick <laughs> is involved in a phone. And But you, you suddenly I'm buying a microphone and then I got another microphone and then I find myself, I'm, I'm going around doing photography with a, a lapel mic on, which just yeah. seems really strange. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> then you have to pull yourself back. Like you say, you're doing take after take, trying to say the sentence that you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, I'm here to take photos. What am I getting? Why? What am I doing here? Yeah. And so it's so easy to fall into that. About it being about the video, so I think that if you have yes. that on your radar, it's really good to keep that awareness of photography first. Yes, uh, you mentioned it. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, but when I was watching your film, I saw you paddling away across the lake, and mm. it, it occurred to me that you're gonna have to come back to pick up yeah. the camera. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's so, a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real bummer. Yeah, I should probably do like a retrospective video then in a couple of years when I'm only going back to get the camera and that would be probably be a, a two hours film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you have a lot of editing to do after this. Yeah, shows. yeah. And also it drains the battery quite hard, you know, when you're doing it. If, if I'm paddling one minute, you know, and doing two takes of that, you know, I'm, I'm half I'm halfway down on the battery almost. Mm. But even for yourself, so you've got yes, um, yeah. you've got a lot of gear with you as well. So yes. you don't want to do that too many times. No. Um, okay, I, I just wanted to talk about the films because they're, they're so great mm. and I can see that being a big thing for you going forward. Yeah. And uh, also I'll put links in the show notes so that people listening can go and check those out. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you quickly about Scotland because I know you've been over here a few times. When mm. did Scotland first you know when did you first come to scotland and what is it about shooting in scotland that you really like yeah when was it i i can't remember the exact year but it's it was definitely more than 10 years it was 10 years ago i think we i went with um with a friend over there uh, a a photographer friend and yeah um i think when as as with scotland you've seen a few images and i always felt like scotland is about the mood right it's about the the weather like mm. the the bad weather <laughs> yeah that's really you know and there's like i think the mountains are really beautiful and the coastline is just spectacular so mm. i think yes there's something about scotland like you know for me it's about like that that weather meets the like coming in from the sea and just you know meets the mountains mm. that's really what i see in front of me when i think of, of scotland so you still come over quite regularly uh, uh, not this travel. <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously uh, yeah I, I try to do that mostly you know leading workshops but um yeah i've been over a few times uh, myself uh since that first trip as well doing some hiking but i haven't done any longer hiking in scotland uh um, do you have coastal, I mean, do you shoot on the coast in Sweden or do you mainly stick to the mountains? 
um as of now i'm really focusing on the mountains i have i have done a, a lot of photography at the coastline especially actually when i was learning photography i couldn't be up in the mountains or you know i was a student and you know i had limited <laughs> amounts of travel time and money mm-hmm. so i just were out practicing in, in like the local areas and there's a lot of uh coastline close to where 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 i lived in stockholm so um i've shot a lot of coastline nowadays it's not so much but you know i just love when i come out to the sea you know the smell of the salt water and you know Mm. it's just something special to me so and sometimes i miss you know the like like you have in scotland the tide like this, so it's so changing. It just just gives you a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I can sometimes miss that in the mountains, you know, because mm-hmm. things can be s- quite static. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not always. You know, some the best days are you know when the light is changing a lot. But on a clear summer's day, you know, it can be pretty static for a long time. Of course, if you're moving, then you can get to different. But I lo- I love the way like the tide can dif- give you s- different possibilities and you work with long shutter speeds or you know you get a lot of creative freedom at the coastline i believe Hmm. yeah i think that's what really draws people into those places right yeah i love it you can be if you're there for two hours you're getting it's completely different when you leave by the when you from when you got there yeah and um and as you said you can do things with shutter speed and so on so you can have a lot of fun with that yeah um of course you're still still waiting for that light but if it's working it's it's good fun we're 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 running out of time already i feel like uh, we just got started but yeah um, let me like let me ask you about um your equipment what's your um go-to camera and lens combination what comes out of the bag when you reach in there yeah so i shoot with a fujifilm uh, gfx system Mm-hmm. So that's pretty a little bit different. Uh, uh, in in it's not the mainstream choice for especially not for wilderness like the kind of photography that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like I like the quality that I get from that system. It's just it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the go to oh that's a hard one. Like the easy answer would be because I have the GFX fifty R. The 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 most lightweight option in that in that um, lineup and. Uh, uh, the 32 to 64 is a great lens like a normal um zoom but then again i told you that i like the enjoy the telephoto from from high from higher up in the mountains so when i'm higher up like the go to i actually have the like a 250 lens so that's a 200 equivalent mm. okay. so that's so- really one that i have worked a lot with and it's it of course it gives you it doesn't give you the the <laughs> the, the flexibility of a zoom but it mm-hmm. actually forces you a little bit to, 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 to just have that focal length and just go with it. And I, I found that it works quite nicely. So it doesn't work, of course, if you're close to a, to a river or something, it, it will be too long. So for that, for that scenery, for that type of landscape, I would probably go with a 32 to 64. But higher up, the 250 is like probably the one that sticks to my camera the most. Mm. And so is that the medium format Fuji? Yes, it is. Okay, so that thirty-two to sixty-four is equivalent of. It's a twenty-five to fifty millimeter on on full frame, yeah. Okay, so that must be producing a really nice image file for you then. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, And Fuji have a great reputation anyway. Add the medium format size. I I can see why you use that for the scale and scope of the scenes that you're shooting. Um, And so, 
you take a lot of equipment with you, right? From what I can <laughs> gather. So what kind of tripod are you using? So I'm using a, on, on the summer trips, I'm using a Faisal. Uh, it's a Faisal, uh, oh, I don't know. It's uh, um, one of the lighter, it's called tournament series. I, I can't really recall the the numbers of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know which yeah, tripod yeah, yeah. I have either. But. <laughs> I, uh, and then, uh, then I have a um, ball head from Akratech. Okay. Uh, which is a really nice uh, ball head, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was curious about um, your batteries because you, I don't know, how do you, how many batteries do you take up there? How does that work? Yeah, so for the, um, so I actually have like the, 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 the GFX 50R, it doesn't really do video that well. So mm-hmm. I also have an XT4, a Fujifilm XT4 that I'm filming with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that becomes, <laughs> you know, a little bit more weight to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the um, GFX um, 50R, I have seven batteries usually. Okay. So I usually count one battery a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, one 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 battery uh, uh, for two days. Uh, okay. And then for the film camera, I had uh, four batteries with me. But that one I can charge with a power bank, so that's not a problem. But uh, for the for the stills camera, uh, yeah, it's seven batteries. And okay. I don't use. I often get it's 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 the, it's the most common question I have got during the years. You know, mm. how do you solve it with the batteries? And I have yeah. so many other problems <laughs> out there. You know, it's the batteries <laughs> are the sim the most simple. But I I understand why people ask because it's the obvious question. You know, everybody yeah. has problem with the battery life of of the camera. So it's such a photography nerd question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, know I don't have I don't have battery problems. My I don't know if it's just me, but my batteries <laughs> last forever. I don't know why people. I think, it's, I think it's maybe a little bit about the shooting style as well. People, some people are running around shooting like crazy, and <laughs> you know they will mm. blaze through a battery in two hours. And sure, yeah, my phone battery dies because I'm always on the selfie stick. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing um, a lot of photographers don't have to take with them is a boat. Um, yeah, <laughs> how does that work? Does it fold into your bag, or what's yeah, happening so, there? Yeah, so it's a, it's called a pack raft. It's become pretty um, uh, commonly known, I think, um, especially in the outdoors world. During like during the last year, so I used it for five years now, I think. Uh, but it's actually an inflatable boat, really. It's just one of those you can buy for your kids, but it's mm. a little bit more rugged and mm-hmm. actually done for some serious white water if you want to do that. But I mainly go on on lakes. It's not. It's it's a tool to actually to get to places where you probably can't get otherwise because you cannot. You can always have a canoe or a kayak, but then some most places you can't really carry that, uh, or it's a really you know it becomes a really um, struggle to get it there. So mm. the pack raft really opens up, you know, a little bit different. Mm. Uh, places for photography and i really enjoy traveling on the water yeah mm. um okay i was i was going to go back to ask you what an arctic ranger is because it sounded really cool i meant to pick you up on that at the beginning mm. is that where you learned all your outdoors um, yeah skills yeah so it's it's a it's a um, training it's a what you call it it's a training program here in sweden it's it's seen as one of the uh <laughs> the hardest uh, I think that's the Arctic Ranger and the parachute. Uh, I think I don't know. It's called a parachute ranger. So it's the mm-hmm. it's, com- it's the hardest one. But yeah, it's it's um, you know, we train we were trained to do combat in small groups. So we're living like you know out there in in the not necessarily the mountains, but the marshlands, the forests. You know, mm. in in 
really cold temperatures you know they, it's just like a special forces uh, type of thing and mm. small groups i really just enjoyed uh, <laughs> enjoyed it and i mm. think i've actually taken a little bit of that with me when i've guided groups you know with mm. because it feels like you're on a small small group there mm. uh, but yeah i really it's for me it was a a like a crash course into into the the things that i do now uh it was such a great um, learning experience, but it was really hard, tough. Yeah. Yeah. Are you so? Do you know who Bear Grylls is? Yeah. <laughs> Are you like a real life Bear Grylls? Uh, no. You Bear Grylls with a camera? No, I'm not that extravagant. <laughs> I think I think I can be funny, but yeah, I, th- I think actually I I listened to his um, book on on an audio book, and I think he gives another impression of himself of himself when he's describing himself in in the book you know for for the tv it's a show and mm. and i think he's he seems like actually quite a nice guy but yeah. i can't really relate to the the spectacle <laughs> of of those kind of adventures because i yeah it seems a little bit over the top <laughs> yeah but you can survive in the wilderness for 40 days right so that's yeah that's quite good yeah <laughs> um i was gonna ask about your camera technique just to get really nerdy mm for the photography nerds who might be listening. So you're, how are you working the camera? When you get there, finally you've got you've kayaked up the lake, you've um, climbed the mountain, and you've got the camera up there in your hand. What are you doing with the camera once you get there? How are you using that? Yeah, so I usually, I, as I said, sometimes I just go with the phone first, but I usually just try to go without the tripod first just to see, you know, which angle is, just to try to sketch things out, you know, what, mm. is, what's it, what is it that I want? And then it's just a matter of, you know, when you, when you find that uh, like ID or like this is the composition, then it's just about, you know, setting up the tripod and then trying just to fine tune it, you know, look for, look for things that look for these visual like uh, errors or stuff like things that, you know, you you don't normally, you don't really see when you look at it just as a normal um, uh, viewer, you know, you you want to, to raise those like errors. So you have to look through the corners, edges of the frame, try to think about um, the whole image. Mm-hmm. And then for the technique, I think the, like the technique part is just been, it's just so simple these days, mm-hmm. but I use manual focus, uh, I use manual like uh, exposure settings with the, with a shutter speed and and aperture and stuff like that and always uh, or at least as much as I can on ISO uh, 100 like the lowest ISO that you can get on the camera mm-hmm. or the base ISO is yeah mm. so yeah the 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 technique ends up being the simplest thing out of everything that you're doing isn't it yeah because when you when you're beginning photography it's obviously it's a, it can be quite a hurdle to get over but once you get over that, especially these days with the histogram, you know, there's so much latitude in the draw files that we get. So it's 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 just becomes more about like the image that has to be done. And then, of course, sometimes the wind can be a problem, as you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then actually I've been doing some when it's blowing a lot, it's usually better to just uh, skip the tripod and just go handheld, especially if you have the like an image stabilizer in in the lens or in mm. the camera body that's something that i have been doing a lot uh, in the wind because it's it opens up because sometimes light is good when 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 it's windy <laughs> mm. you yeah you're not shooting particularly long exposures and things like that no, i haven't no. noticed that you are so yeah that's a good option for you then yeah yeah i usually not doing any 
like if you're up on a mountain, I see very little like there. My, yeah, there is a value to it in in terms of getting the sky different, but mm. I kind of like it to good to go with the shorter shutter speeds. But yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I know we're, we're sort of running out of time here, but let's yeah. jump into the next round, which is called Double Exposure. And uh, I'm going to ask you about one of your photographs in particular, uh, mm. which I really am into. And then maybe there's a photograph that you can tell me about, which was a, a big moment or a very memorable shot mm. for you. Um, the one I want to ask you about, there were a couple that I I was, I was, really love, River of Light. I just think that mm. is quite an incredible shot. But because um, I like long exposures and you can see the water moving there. Yes. Um, but um, I'm going to ask you about autumn and winter. Um, it's just to describe it, it, I believe it's taken in Sarek National yes, Park. Yes, it is, yeah. And you seem to be on top of a mountain overlooking this valley yeah. where it, look, it seems to have been winter on the mountains and summer mm. in the valley. It's quite an extraordinary shot. Um, mm. Can you remember that experience? Yeah, I can't remember. It was probably last autumn uh yeah the year yeah 2019 yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think it says <laughs> and yeah that was a uh, just a fantastic uh, because you have the autumn colors down in the valley and mm-hmm. usually the the the, fr- the the first snow of the season comes but this time it came like in during two days so it came a lot of snow Oh. So I was actually staying in a tent there for two full days in like a snowstorm, literally, mm. and waiting it out. And then I woke up on the on the third day. I had already been out for, I think, a week. So that was probably 10 days into the trip then. Then I woke up and I just looked out and it was just, you know, this clear sky. You know, the stars were out. It was just, you know, <laughs> magic, mm. you know, because mm. the, the snowstorm has had had passed during the night. And I just set off really early because I had my tent down in the valley, not in the valley that you see, but in a higher valley. Mm-hmm. And I just went up and it's really hard going when you're going and you have a lot of fresh snow on because this is just gra- like big rocks. Like, uh, I don't know what you call it in, in English, but it's just super hard because you don't see all the on the, all the 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 holes in between the rocks you know Mm. as you go so it just took a lot of time to get up there and i did some photography along the way but i ended up there and it was just you know magic to stand there and it was there was no clouds so it was Mm. quite the the light is quite harsh but i think it actually works with um with the snow makes it work a little bit better um but one a little bit um a fun story about that is that it had been quite a lot of um rain that um the days before it started mm-hmm. to snow and my lens had picked up some moisture so once the, the sun started to to warm up the lens i got this you know foggy circle okay. inside <laughs> the lens when i was shooting this image and i was so frustrated because i was standing there had put in so much effort and i mm. was in a mist you know <laughs> i had a mist yeah. in filter in front of my lens so it, <laughs> i had to just wait wait it out you know i had to dry it out before i could you know in the sun and eventually the the mist disappeared and i yeah mm. i got to make the image yeah oh, it sounds like a great day I, I can't imagine what it's like to just have to wait in the tent for a couple of days yeah it it's been, actually quite miserable <laughs> i cannot yeah i mean yeah. and you must be raring to go by the time you, you you're able to open up you must just be like charged and ready to go yeah 
Yeah, yeah, you are. And you you actually be quite can become quite bored when you're staying in, a, like, especially when it's just, it wasn't that particular, it was like around zero, around freezing. So the, the snow down where I were, it was quite wet, you know, it was not a, it was not a picture perfect moments down there. But, you know, that's the thing, you know, usually the, the, the best images, they are usually coming after some, you know, some bad weather. So mm. you usually get a bit of... Um, you get paid for your patience, I think. Yeah. yeah. So is there any particular moment? It seems like you've had a lot of great experiences, mm. but one particular thing that really stands out. Yeah. So um, one of the, the photographs that I usually tell about is the, the one that is on top of, of, of that for, for photograph section, uh, that one called Endless. Um, mm. So it's actually on top of a 2,000 two meter mountain. And mm. uh, this was actually me starting... Uh, this was in March, so I was starting my. I was having a base camp, and just getting to the base camp, where I had the base camp, was uh, like almost four or five days of work. It was like minus twenty degrees during when I woke up in the mornings, almost for a week. And uh, I remember, you know, it it had been quite the weather has had been good, but there was always some low clouds on the mountain, so I didn't have had the possibility to go up there and then you know i woke up as i described with the other image you know i it was just perfect conditions mm -hmm. and i i just went up on my snowshoes uh really early i think i started two o'clock in the in the morning with a headlamp on with the snowshoes on and just mm -hmm. get up there uh, it took around two and a half hours to get up there mm -hmm. and i did really good so i was up even you know in the blue what you see there is a 30 second exposure mm -hmm. and um it kind of stands out a little bit because when you're standing on a peak like that, it's if you look around you, it's just the snow is just so hardly packed. It's just ice, so it's really mm. windy up there. And the, the last like 50 meters I I did, it was starting to blow up a bit. So I was thinking, you know, I won't get any any twilight images. Mm. But then, as I just unpacked my camera, the wind <laughs> as a miracle. This is actually a miracle because the wind just died. Mm. And I I was able to get those 30 seconds exposures. And that's really, to me, when I look at that image, I know it's 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 hard when you look at it as, as, a, as a viewer, you don't know the backstory. But I put mm. it up there as the first image because as I look at it, it's, as you say, it's one of those rememberable, rememberable moments when I put in like almost 10 days. It's not only, the trip was not only about that image, but it sort of sums up my experience and my drive and passion for it because you know and i like it because it's all also a little bit odd to get uh, a pre like a really really like long twilight image um from a mountain from a high mountain peak um, mm. yeah it's quite an extraordinary shot really um the blue the blue hourness of it is yeah yeah so on the blue hour but with yeah. just that the must be the first rays of daylight just yeah just there coming in from the side yeah and kind of what i like about that if i just add to it is that it's kind of blue adds a bit of calm to it but if you look at like the main peak in the middle it's quite you know you know it's quite it's quite a bold like it's quite a dramatic landscape so i kind of mm. like that that contrast you know it 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 maybe not uh, adds the drama to the scene but i i like the like the calmness of it yeah mm. well that really sums up all of your work really i would say there's this sense of calm that runs mm. through everything um, and it's certainly a reflection of your personality, I would say. Mm. So uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for these images that we've spoken about. So 
This one is endless. The other one I was talking about was called Autumn and Winter, and that's yeah. on Magnus's website. Um, let's move on to the quick fire round, and I call this round Motor Drive because it's right. like fast moving, you know, like an old camera. Anyway, um, yeah. so, okay, uh, I have 10 questions. Let's go. Wide angle or telephoto? Mm, I've answered it. Telephoto then. Okay. <laughs> to stick uh, out a little bit. <laughs> it's so funny because you just you think that landscape is going, people are going to want wide angles, aren't they? But I think yes. the telephoto is so valuable. I always kick myself when I don't take it. Yes. And then I always take it now and I never use it. So yes. Anyway. Um, okay, coffee. Depending on the scene though. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Um, coffee in the summer, but tea is good in the winter to stay hydrated. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Head or heart? Um, heart. This is a tricky one, and this is what the listeners really want to know Dancing Queen or Final Countdown? Uh, <laughs> final Countdown. Okay, cool. I can go with that. <laughs> what was the last great book, movie, series or album you experienced? Oh, the last great album. I'm really into uh, Bon Iver's music. Mm-hmm. So his latest album, was it called I, I, I think it has very strange titles. I, that's the source of inspiration for me. Yeah. Okay. Do you listen to a lot of music on your trips? Yeah. yeah. On my trips, it depends a little bit. Sometimes I do, but I usually don't listen to that much music, actually, when I'm out. Sometimes I do just for a moral boost, but Mm. yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Expensive lens cloth or just the corner of your shirt? Um, (laughs) I usually use like paper tissues, so no expensive stuff, but not the corner of my shirt either. (laughs) <laughs> so a paper tissue yeah, yeah that's handy to have isn't it if you yes. get a bit of wetness on there okay what's a weird thing I'm sure there's a few things a weird thing I could find in your bag apart from a boat yeah in the winter uh, a peeing bottle a pee bottle like a <laughs> to pee in <laughs> uh-huh. okay that, that's, that's a weird thing yeah I haven't heard that before do you have no. I saw on your video that there's <laughs> there might be bears around do you have like a bear repellent spray or something no like that? we don't need it here because they are quite uh, they keep their distance and they are afraid of humans so there's nothing to be particularly afraid about uh, yeah they're definitely scared of you because you were had special forces training um, <laughs> <laughs> so okay who's your favorite photographer just now yeah, that's uh, the thing is, I haven't looked at because I've been working so hard with my own stuff. I haven't looked really, so mm. I can't really say now. But I actually, I just go back. I have bought a few books of a Swedish photographer, like an old photographer called Elvin Nilsson, mm-hmm. which is um, he was a park ranger in Sarek. And I think those are, you know, for me, that kind of work, you know, he was he was living out there for a long time. You know, I think that's that's what I'm being ins- being inspired about, just his story. So mm. I think I think I would say Edwin Nilsson at the moment. OK, it's you have to Google him. I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we will. That's a great answer. Thank yeah. you. Um, and finally, when do you feel at peace with the universe? Mm. When I'm standing on top of a mountain uh, in, in, on, a, on a perfect winter's morning and with a bit of a chilly, chilly wind blowing in my face, then, then I know <laughs> what, what it is about. That's good. Great answer. Um, what's the future looking like for you? It looks like on your website you're working towards a mountains and beyond project of some kind. What can you say is on the radar for you? 
Yeah, so so the mountains and beyond project is really, you know, it's everything I do. It's in the, in the Swedish mountains. It's it's a bit hard to define, so I just put a name on it and maybe maybe it will become clearer as we go. But uh I'm planning what I'm planning on now is uh to do quite a lot of photography during January and February uh during midwinter here in Sweden and try to really push myself uh in terms of that. And then alongside my own photography, I also st- I also working on like an own academy type of thing um, mm. where I will like uh, teach the kind of photography that I do online then so that's that that has taken a lot of time during autumn to prepare and now I have worked a lot of the on the film and yeah I go a bit back and forth and now I'm mm. looking looking into getting out again and and, and photograph so so yeah. do you shoot some of that those is it I don't know if it's tutorials or or whatever do you shoot that when you're out on the adventures as well Yeah it's it's you know I'm starting with this now so uh, it's 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 become quite a lot of work just to shoot the films but I will try to do some teaching material also when I'm out and you, my my goal is to use my adventures also as a way to teach people like to add that element to it but that will be in in the academy and not on YouTube. So that's really coming, but it's something that I'm working on a little bit behind the scenes at the mm. moment. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's I'm sure it's a lot of work to get that to completion yes. even to get it started. Yes. So um, <laughs> Well, we'll look forward to seeing more about that um as you get as you get on it. So um I want to thank you for your time, Magnus. I know we've gone way way over time. Yeah. And I just feel like we didn't really scratch the surface so um maybe we can pick this up again another time but we thanks should, a yeah. lot for for calling and I really really appreciate it it's great to talk to you and get an insight into what you do it's so unique and um it's it's quite difficult to find unique type of photography nowadays um mm. so uh, really grateful to have met you and to have called you today Thank you a lot Graham and yeah I have a, sometimes it's a hard a little bit hard to find the words in English but I hope that the listeners can 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 take away something from the conversation thanks a lot thanks for listening follow magnus on youtube and instagram and check out his website links to everything we spoke about are in the show notes um i'd love to connect with you you can find me at view-finders.co.uk and on social media and don't forget to check out viewfinders live an evening with mark mccall sponsored by mpb.com tickets are available now at eventbrite and again the link is in the show notes If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a kind review. It really makes a difference. And if you like this episode, you might also like my chat with Mark McCall, which is episode 2 of the first season of the show. Okay, thanks again. Take care. Enjoy your photography and I will see you out there.